The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias was tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the desert. John went throughout the whole region of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The winding roads shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. So Luke goes out of his way there in the very beginning of the Gospel today to paint the historical picture to set the stage, so to speak, for what happened so that we, looking back, could get the point that all of these things were going on. All of these men listed here today, these different governors and tetrarchs, high priests, in some way they were all a part of salvation history. Jesus, the Son of God, chose to enter into time at that time. That's what Luke is trying to highlight here. It was at that time that Jesus chose to enter into history. And it's a reminder for us today that Jesus chose to enter into our history this wasn't some random history. This was real. This was an actual fact. And Jesus didn't shy away from these circumstances. We know that these men weren't the most virtuous of leaders in some of these cases. And that didn't stop Jesus from entering into the world. You see where I'm going with this? That as we look at our own time, as we reflect back on this last week, as painful as it was, that didn't stop Jesus from wanting to be with us. It doesn't stop him from wanting to stay with us. And accompany us in the most painful of times and circumstances. Now that's hard, I know, to reconcile the fact that God is with us and yet there's still this great suffering. That is always something that we, men and women, human beings have to wrestle with. 
Our faith that tells us that God is good and merciful and he's all-powerful. And yet, he allows things to happen that don't seem to make any sense whatsoever. And that's why I like to say that death is always absurd. Even if someone like my grandma, who lived to be 103, <laughs> I got to celebrate her funeral you know, several years ago now. But even my grandma's death at 103 was absurd. To me, her grandson. And yes, an untimely death is even more tragic and, and more painful. Absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt about it. But I think we always have to go back to the fact that God himself didn't hesitate to dwell among us in the midst of our pain and sorrow. He didn't take it away. He himself was not immune to it. Rather, he emptied himself, not counting his divinity something to be grasped, as St. Paul says. But he emptied himself of his divinity and became one like us in every way but sin. And that's why we have a compassionate high priest, literally one who suffers with us. That's what the word compassion literally means from its Latin roots, to suffer with. So our God is suffering with us. He's suffering with you this week. He's suffering with this entire community. And so in the midst of that, however, we do not mourn as those having no hope. Let me say that again. We do not mourn, at least we are not supposed to be mourning as Christians, as having no hope. We can't get our loved ones back. That's true. At least this side of heaven, we can't get them back. And we miss them terribly. But we do have a hope of being reunited. And that the bonds of love that we formed in this life, they're not broken. They're not broken. They now extend into eternity. I like to remind people that at funerals as well. The bonds of love that you form in this life are not broken by death. They extend into eternity. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're always going to be united. We're always going to be united. I, gotta, I have to read for you this message that my high school friend sent me. And he's not a lovey-dovey guy. I was really surprised to get this from him. He's about 6'4", 325 pounds since he was 17 years old. 30 years ago when we played high school football together. And he sent me this text message last night with Snoopy hugging a heart. And it says, when my arms can't reach people who are close to my heart, I always hug them with my prayers. I was like, whoa, way to go, Matt. His last name is Maxie. We call him Max, which is very fitting for a 6'4", 315-pound guy, whatever he is, you know. How beautiful. 
when my arms can't reach people who are close to my heart, even those who have passed on, right? I always hug them with my prayers. Isn't that beautiful? And they would want us to know that they embrace us as well. My dad passed a few years ago. I often bring him into my prayer. God brings him into my prayer with me. And it doesn't take much for me to just picture his smiling face and be touched by his love for me in my own prayer. Do I miss him? Of course. That we can't go out for a ride in a Corvette or something like that together and play some Blues Brothers and eat some cheeseburgers? Yeah. Of course, I miss that. But I have hope that one day we will do all of that in heaven together. And there'll be no limit to it. So that's what we should be asking for today, I think, is this outpouring of hope, which, of course, is related to faith, which allows us to receive the love of God. The three theological virtues, faith, hope, and love, right? Doesn't get more basic than that. But they're called the theological virtues because they allow us to relate to God. They allow us to have a relationship with God and with one another in Christ. That's why they're called the theological virtues, the virtues that have us relate to God. So let's pray for an increase in those theological virtues that we all received at our baptism. And that the presence of God which is always here, that that we would be more aware of that presence of God and his peace. He comes as the prince of peace. And we need that peace now more than ever. And it starts here, as the old song goes, right? Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. It has to start here. And as Jesus said, I give you a peace that the world cannot give. Because for several reasons, we experience the the transitory nature of things in this world, right? The passing nature of things in this world. So our, our ultimate peace can't come from something in this world. It has to come from beyond this world. That's why we look to the supernatural, meaning above nature. But then by grace, God enters into time and takes on our nature and transforms it and makes it divine in a way. We now share in his nature, in his life, in his love. And that can start even here and now. And that's what we renew every time. We celebrate Mass and receive Holy Communion. We are brought into communion with God and one another. And then he's able to communicate to us his peace, his love, his joy. So let's pray for all of that, for each other here and for all of the members of our community and especially the Oxford community, that the peace of Christ would reign in our hearts more and more today. 
and throughout this Advent season. Amen.